I was I was thinking about our lesson this morning. We were in First Corinthians 15, and uh, it it can kind of tie into the sermon we're doing this morning. And uh, I was just thinking about we were looking at the gospel, and we were looking at the importance of the resurrection. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15, believe it or not. If you want to go ahead and get there. But we were looking at the gospel and we were looking at the importance of the resurrection. And Paul says, uh, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And Christ to be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. And uh, it goes on down to verse 20. Uh, verse number 19 was one we talked about this morning. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are, of all men, most miserable. And uh, this, this sermon this morning is going to be a little bit different take on the prodigal son. And i got to be honest with you, I didn't come up with this take on my own, but I thought it was good enough. I'm passing it on to you. I'm being honest about it. But uh, it's a really good take. Because it's, it's really easy to pe- preach about sin all the time. Sometimes it's not so easy. But it's easy to beat the sheep up. But sometimes you got to lift them up. Amen. And uh, it's like to be lifted up. So we were this morning, we were in First Corinthians 15 and talking about the resurrection. And Paul said in verse number 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know, one of the key components of our salvation is looking forward to the resurrection is looking is what we have hope to look for. Paul says, if in this life only, so if, if in this walk, if in this day-to-day walk, if you're denying yourself for Christ, if you're, if you're studying and you're in prayer and you, there's things that you suffer through, and there are people that have suffered for the name of Christ, they knew that that decision they made to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would be the last time their family would deal with them. There were others that knew that would be the last time their church friends would have anything to do with them. There are people that stood up for the doctrine of salvation that have lost friends, that have lost their lives, that have burned at the stake. And all they had to do was give up their testimony for Jesus Christ. And if in this life only, if you die and you're put into the ground and it's just darkness from there on and you don't know anything and life is over, and we're some pretty miserable people. Now, this isn't what my sermon is about today, but we have a hope in the resurrection of Christ. When Jesus Christ was put in that tomb, we had, you know the reason Baptists don't carry crucifixes, right? Because Jesus Christ still isn't up on the cross. He's down from the cross. He was buried in the tomb, and he rose again. That is our hope and salvation, is eternal life with God. It isn't just to make your, your best life now. It isn't just to have heaven on earth, or it isn't to have heaven on earth, but it's to look forward to the day when we can be in heaven with God. Anything we have on earth that we call heaven is just a counterfeit to what we have to look forward to. And that kind of takes me to my message. I mean, I could, I could go on with uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and we did this morning. But let's look at Luke chapter 15, because we're going to look at the story of the prodigal son, but we're going to look at it kind of different. I remember, uh, and and to carry on with this first thought, my pastor, uh, Brother Grady at Calvary Baptist, 
in Bonaire. He's passed away a long time. You've heard me talk about him. But uh, there's a few things I remember about Brother Grady, and they just lift my spirit. And uh, one of them, I can't remember, we were watching one of those Pure Flick shows, and they had the preacher up there, and he did he say, that's, that's like Brother Grady. And then the fellow pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket. He said, yep, that's Brother Grady. He'd go, whoopee, <laughs> when we were at a revival meeting or something. And there was a couple of songs that he sings, and, and there was several years when we couldn't hardly stand to hear the songs without crying. But one of them was Going Home. And he was getting toward the end of his life. He was dealing with, uh, I think it was emphysema or, what was it, did he? Cero- huh? Fibrosis, that's right. And he was in and out of the hospital, and uh, it was getting worse toward the end. He preached the Sunday before he died. He passed away on a Tuesday night or Tuesday morning. And I, I promised y'all I hadn't brought it, but, you know, we have a news article where we have Brother Grady's obituary, and in the paper that same day there was an earthquake that morning. I was over at Brother Grady's house. Miss Hazel had called me, and... Uh, had gone over there. I'm just kind of wandering a little bit. Y'all give me a chance. <laughs> because it's bringing things back. Because Brother Grady, the closer he got, the more he looked forward to going home. When he was in the hospital and he couldn't hardly breathe, and when he was carrying that oxygen bottle and we put a stool up there, you know, so that he could preach. And he, he kept on until the day he passed away, just about. But, uh, I went over there that morning and uh, I helped the coroner get him out of the house. And we put him onto the truck. And Dee had called me right after we'd loaded him up. It wasn't a truck. It was the hearse. But, <laughs> but when we, I put, we put him on there and Dee had called me and asked me how things were going because I'd been over there about a few hours. And uh, she said, did you feel that? I said, No. What do, you, what do you mean, feel what? And she said, there was just a tremor. I said, well, I, I don't know. We're in Macon, we're in uh, Warner Robins, Georgia, which is just south of Macon. We're in the middle of Georgia, you know. It's not exactly living on the fault line. And uh, I didn't think much about us. No, we didn't feel it over here. I don't know. You know, it was, it was right when we put him in the hearse, pretty much. And... Uh, you know, we got that, Didi kept that paper. I got to find it. I'm, one day I'm going to put it up here for you guys. But uh, Didi kept the paper, and there was a Brother Grady's obituary. And then right next to it was about an earthquake tremor in Warner Robins. You know? I, now, I understand you can't go crazy, and you can't go prophesying. You don't want to lead people off into Guyana and stuff like that, you know? But it just, sometimes God will just give you a little handful of purpose, Right? You don't start a whole doctrine off of it, but, you know, it was just kind of comforting. It's like God took him home, and he preached about going home a lot. And then one of his songs that he sang many times in my childhood, and I can't sing it, when we've traveled so far, by nightfall how weary I'd grown. Father's arms would slip around me, and gently he'd say, my child, we're going home. And I could hear him, you know, going home, I'm going home. And uh, in that old man voice, you know, old men have a particular way of singing because their voice has changed a bit, and he would do that. And uh, now the twilight is fading, the day soon shall end. 
Lord, I get homesick the farther I roam. But the Father has led me each step of the way, and now I'm going home. So it's a little bit different take on the prodigal son. Because the prodigal son, we know that he got away from the father. He got his inheritance early. We all know the story. And the preacher's tied into backsliding. I've tied it into backsliding, and it fits with backsliding. But we're just going to kind of shift it just a little bit because... I'm pretty sure I've I've given just about everybody here an opportunity to be saved. And if you ain't by now, you still have that opportunity. But I'm going to speak to you even if you're saved this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm going to speak to you this morning even if you ain't backslid. You see how I'm slipping into Georgia now. The prodigal son gets away from his father. And he has the riotous living and everything. But let's just shift it away. Let's shift it away from backsliding. Let's shift it away to salvation. If we're going to spiritualize this, we won't get too carried away. But there he is. He's in the pig pen. And he realizes that sin has gotten him nowhere. Matter of fact, he's wasted his substance, the Bible says. And when he's in the pig pen and there's those words, you could hang them on a wall. And when he had come to himself, there comes a time when you realize where you're in sin and your sin is condemning you to hell. uh, Paul talks about when you when you were in sin, what what benefit had you from those? It's not an exact quote, but he said, what what good did you get out of it when you were in sin? When you were doing everything you wanted to do, when you were serving sin, what good did it do you? And his prodigal son is sitting in the pig pen and he's looking back and he's looking back on how everybody was friendly in the beginning and how things seemed so great. And he still had the nice clothes that he left his house from. He still had the money in his pocket and he was still eating good, probably stopped in and let's have a steak. And there's always friends around that don't mind you buying them dinner, even if you just met them and they'll be your friends. And he looks back and he sees that and he looks back and he says, well, that's kind of a good memory. But then as it goes on and he sees as his money begins to get wasted, as he sees his friends holding their hands out, as he sees him buying drinks or whatever he was doing, let's not go into detail. But as he sees it all disappearing and he starts to see those friends leave. He starts to see himself more and more alone. He reaches out for help and one of them has money or one of them is about to go somewhere and they're like, "Eh, we don't want anything to do with you. And he sees himself getting hungrier and hungrier. And he goes and he finds a farmer. And I'm just painting the picture. I'm setting up the setting here. And he goes and he finds that farmer and that farmer says, well, I got field hands. I got people to work the fields. What I need is somebody to feed the pigs. He says, I'll take it. And as he feeds those pigs and he's there in that mud, and you know, that's one of my memories from childhood. It's the awful smell of a pig pen. We'd go out to visit my grandfather and my uncles. You know, they were all, I don't know. I mean, mud is mud is mud. And the muddier that pit, the happier the pigs were. So there he is. 
and he's working each day, and he's, the, the farmer's giving him the husk to feed the pigs, but he's not giving him any food. And as he passes it out, he stands over there, and he sees them eating, and he says, man, they're doing better than I am. They got something to eat. He's just about ready to grab one from them, maybe rub the dirt off of it and gnaw on it. He's so hungry. He says, I remember in my father's house. Now, this is a, still a picture of the prodigal son here. He says, I remember in my father's house, it was so much better. You know, but we, we don't necessarily have a memory of the father's house. Nobody's seen God at any time, right? Jesus declared him. So that's where the pictures kind of diverge. But there's that journey home because he came to himself. He said, he said, the servants had it far better in my father's house than I did here. He's below a servant right now. And he says, if I could just, man, if I could just sleep on the porch at the servants' quarters, I'd be better off than I was here. And dad may not feed me the best, but he'll feed me. And like I said, that's where the pictures diverge. Where there's that journey home. And there's that walk home. And we know up ahead because we know the father. The prodigal son, he's worried about what's going to happen to him. But we have promises from God the Father that he'll take care of us. And as he... So we're going to leave the prodigal son on his journey... And we're going to look at us in our walk because we were saved out of the pigsty too. You know, we look at him and say, oh, just because he's the prodigal son, he had it great. He wasted his inheritance. He wasted all that. Our inheritance got wasted a long time ago with Adam until Christ came along. We were looking at that this morning. But we're going to leave him on his journey. And we've got our walk going home. We're just going to kind of look at some comparisons here. So on this journey, just like the prodigal son, it's a long walk. He didn't get a bus ticket. He didn't take a plane. He had to walk back in faith, hoping his father would take him home. We walk forward in faith, knowing that our father has a home for us. So the prodigal son, for him, there were things that were behind him. There were things that were before him, and we know that there are things that would bless him. In our Christian walk, there's things behind us. Look at uh, Luke 15, 11 through 17. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me, and he divideth unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. And took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants... Of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. So the prodigal wandered away into a life of sin and rebellion, 
And how many times have you and I done the same thing? How many times have you, have you not done the right thing when you faced the fork in the road? We had every intention of living for the Lord and doing well for his glory, but temptation came, we gave in, we fell into sin. But thank God, the day's coming when sin will no longer be a problem for us. We're going to a land where there'll be no sin, and even this fleshly nature that gives us so much grief down here will be forever changed and will no longer, will no longer desire the base things of life. Revelation 21, 27 tells us there shall in no wise enter any into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? That's the only way you get entrance. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. <clears throat> and we talked about this this morning. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. 1 John 3, 2 said, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there'll be no more sin. That stuff that's left behind, we'll, we'll, we'll leave all that behind, the sin. And there's also the separation. The son had left the father, and he was separated from him. I can imagine he looked back and he saw the way that the man was treating him and, the, and having to feed the swine. Now, I'm adding a little bit to it. But the man wasn't too kind. He said, no man gave anything unto him. <laughs> he, he had come to himself, and it wasn't because the man was being kind to him. But he was separated. I imagine when he looked forward, he's, when he looked back on his dad and he remembered him taking care of him, he remembered when, the, when his dad gladly gave him his inheritance, when his dad, he remembered his dad's graciousness, when he sees all the, all the uh, anger and the resentment in others' faces all around him. It looks back and he remembers how kind his father was. No more separation. The prodigal found himself separated from the father and it turned out to be a miserable place. As we travel through this world, we're blessed in that we have received the glorious promises from the Savior. However, like it or not, we're still separated from the presence of our Father who is in heaven. Now, there's still times that we fall into sin and lose our precious fellowship with him. But thank God there's a day coming when that will be no more. No more struggle with it. I go into the prison, or I've gone into the jail before and showed them. Romans chapter 7. I said, there's going to be a battle with sin. Just because you get saved doesn't mean it's over. If you don't know the battle's coming, you've lost it already. But there'll be a day coming when that battle is totally won. Are y'all looking good? Y'all know Romans chapter 7. That I would do. There'll be no more separation from the Father. We'll be with God the Father. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Those times that you backslid, those times that you've made the wrong decision, those times that you've made out of, been out of God's will, I don't know, maybe that didn't happen to y'all. 
I know in my own life there's been times when I've gotten a little further, a little further, a little further, until you look back and you say, man, I was over here. But now I'm away from God. I'm praying and my prayers don't seem to be getting past the ceiling. But there's going to come a day when that won't be a problem when you're there with God the Father. There'll be no more straying. The prodigal took his leave of the father and headed out to a life of selfishness. That describes us, right? We think about the things that we want. We don't always think about what God wants. When you're in his presence, there'll be no doubt about what God wants. Song says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Thank God when our change comes, there'll be no more straying, there'll be no more wandering, and we'll be able to have perfect fellowship with our Father. Man, I remember Brother Grady preaching about God's love and preaching about going home and being excited about it. I've heard, I've heard one of our members talk about it and just see the light, eyes light up. In this life, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about our incorruption cannot inherit, corruption cannot inherit incorruption. There's going to come a time where there'll be no more suffering. The things that we've had to suffer. The prodigal found that a life lived outside of God is a life of pain and problems. He suffered because of his decision to live apart from the Father's will. We know that there's suffering in this life when you get away from God. Hebrews 13.5, let your conversation be without covenants and be content with such things that you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. These things have I, John 16.33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Again, I think about it. He says, if in this life only we have a hope of the resurrection, we of all people are most miserable. But our hope of the resurrection, when we see someone pass and we know that they're in Christ, we know that we'll see them again. We know that a heavenly home means we can be not only reunited with God, but reunited with our family. So not only will there be some things behind us like suffering, like straying, and getting away from God, but there's some things that will be before us. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, he says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Now, when that father called for the best robe, I don't think he pulled it out of the son's closet. There is his son standing on the road. He didn't say, hose him down. Hose him down and wash off the filth of the world. But he said, put on the best robe. And the servant said, where do you want me to get it? Go in my room. Get the one that's in the closet. You know the one. 
and bring it out here. He said, I'm no, no longer worthy to be called your son. In his own filth, he was standing there, but his father gave him his robe. When Christ died, we have his righteousness, the robe of the righteousness of God. So some things that are before us, we'll see the father. As the son journeyed home, he thought of getting to see his father. He'd been separated from him, but now he would be reunited. We will also enjoy his favor. When we get home, the father is going to reward us. And he did all the dying. He did all the saving. He did all the keeping. He did all the working. He did everything. And anything we have ever done for him was produced through us was produced through us by his power, yet he tells us that when we go home, he will reward us, and that's enough to make a Baptist shout. Hallelujah. The, the work, the suffering, are the things that you do for God on earth. It's not just sacrifice. It's not just putting yourself aside. But when you look forward to the resurrection, when you look forward to that day when you get to heaven, when you look forward to the rapture, if you're still here, there's a time when God will, when you lay out your works, those that have given themselves on the mission field, those that have given themselves just a witness. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to get up there and there'll be somebody you didn't even realize that you touched. That ever happened to you? You didn't even realize you touched them. But there'll be a day when the Father is there to reward you when, when you arrive. And there'll be a day when we lay those rewards at his feet and worship. We'll enjoy his favor. We'll enjoy his, we'll experience his freedom. When the prodigal returned home, he was given shoes for his feet. And that day, only the slaves were barefooted. The family members wore the shoes. Father's telling his boy, you're no servant, but you're a free man. And this life we're told clearly that we are the servants of the Lord. We are his and we've been bought for, for, with a price and he has a right to use us when, where, and how he pleases. And when we get home, we'll still serve, but like the prodigal, we'll be elevated to a new level of service. We'll have a body that can serve properly. We'll have a mind that will desire to serve properly. We'll have a spirit that will yearn to serve him properly. And we'll experience freedom from all the things that hinder our service down here. There won't be any call-outs in heaven. Amen? Romans 6.22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Ephesians 6.6 6 tells us, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And there will be some things that will just bless us. And I thought about this this morning. <clears throat> and I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have prepared it ahead of time. But uh, there's a recording <laughs> that we have when me and Matt were working together and we were listening to a, we, we were sitting there during the strike. They had a strike out at Marathon and 
you know, we were embedded contractors, so we still got to work out there. But we, uh, we didn't really know how things were going to turn out. We spent a lot of time sitting out there by the lunch tent, staying out of everybody's way. We had to be out there, but we listened to a lot of preaching during those days. There was a sermon by Dr. Peacock, and Matt had grabbed part of that and put it with music, but I think it was from a meeting I'd gone up to in Georgia. But I don't remember exactly, but Dr. Peacock gets there, and he has a way of painting a picture, and he has a way of describing things that are in the Bible. And he gets there, and he describes being up in heaven, and he describes being around the supper table. Some of y'all may have even heard this. And he, he talks about the, the scene where when the supper table's done, and then they go out to the stables, and there's the horses just rearing and ready to go. And there's one great white horse there, and talking about Jesus' horse, and then talking about riding. I wish I could go through all of that here. But Dr. Figgott does it well. That, that picture of heaven, that picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb, there's, there's going to be a feast. There's going to be a reuniting with Christ. When Jesus was here on earth, he, he comforted the disciples. He said, I go away to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he describes what he, where he's going away. But there's going to come a time that we're looking forward to of reaching to the father's front porch. <laughs> and you step off and there's the marriage supper. There's the, the saved. As it's described in Revelation. We'll see all of those glories take place. Now for the prodigal, it was a great time. It was a party. He said, kill the fatted lamb, kill the best of them. You're going to come in and eat with us. And I've prepared the best for you. Our father will prepare the best for us. Jesus will, will be at the marriage supper of the lamb. That, uh, that recording, <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend that I used to work with out in Georgia. And he had gotten cancer. And I hadn't seen him in a while, or you know, but I had talked to him. Barry Osteen was his name. And I remember, you know, I couldn't go out there for very long, but we drove out there, me and Megan, for a weekend just to see him. And uh, I remember going up to the hospital, and, and he was just skinny as anything. But I wanted to see him. I, I had this song going through my head, Won't You Give Me My Flowers While I'm Living? and let me enjoy him while I can. I didn't want to send a memorial. I wanted to see him. And uh, I visited with him, and it was a short time. He was getting out of the hospital, and I remember as, as emaciated as he was, I remember him putting the bag and making sure he, he was packing up his own clothes because he was going to be going out of the hospital. But I remember him trying to take care of everything himself, and I remember how upbeat he was. And I just thought about it. And I, I had that recording on my phone, and I played that for him. Just see the light in his eyes as he thought about where he was about to go, going home. Where is your home when you die? Jesus paid the price. Works don't get you there. 
So this was a little different sermon. But it's good to look forward to it, isn't it? It's good to remember why you're here and why we go through the things that we do. The pain, the suffering, all that will end one day. We can, like Brother Grady, we can look forward to going home. Amen. If you'll stand.